Thank you, Cecilia, and good morning, everyone. Now, at um, this point in the service, uh, the usual thing would be for the preacher to ask you to uh, keep your Bibles open and uh, for me to seek to um, explain to you uh, what that passage is all about and how it might apply to our lives today. Uh, This morning, however, I can't really see the point. Um, I took a quick look at this passage earlier in the week, and um, I I saw that it was all about pride. And I thought, well, that doesn't apply to you. It certainly doesn't apply to me. Um, So uh, what's to be done about it? It's obvious, of course, to you and to me that there are plenty of people around, and some of them are professing Christians, no less, who are arrogant, self-righteous, intolerant, and unloving. I hate people like that. (laughs) And aren't you just thankful that uh, you and I are not like that? I regard myself as a very humble person, and I'm proud of it. Oh, dear. Perhaps we'd better look at uh, what James has to say about pride after all. So, please open your Bibles at page 1215, uh, James chapter 4, verses 4 to 17. 1215, James chapter 4. Uh, looking, therefore, a little more, bit more carefully at this passage, yes, it is all about pride, and uh, James addresses in this passage uh, three particular danger areas. Thirdly, he addresses the danger of uh, pride attached to our spending. That's at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 5, so I'll leave that to uh, next Sunday morning's preacher. Secondly, he deals with pride attached to our planning, and that's in verses 13 to 17, and I'll be focusing on that part of our chapter in the, this morning's second service. Uh, but the first thing that he focuses on in relation to pride is pride in relation to our talking. Uh, this is in verses 11 and 12. Look at those carefully with me. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So James is returning once again to the subject of the tongue. And if you've been coming along um, for the last few Sunday mornings uh, while we've been going through this letter of James, you realize he keeps circling back to the tongue. Such a small organ and yet can do such good and such damage. He keeps returning to it and so therefore that's my rationale for returning to the tongue again this morning. James thinks it's worth keeping, coming back and talking about the tongue, so therefore I'm going to keep talking about the tongue. Now the word slander uh, in verse uh, 11, uh, commentators tell us, is perhaps not an ideal uh, translation of what James has said, because slander implies t- 
talking about somebody untruthfully. It's a damaging falsehood. But James has something more broad than that in mind. James is referring here to any kind of hurtful, abusive, or judgmental speech. It refers, as he says here, to anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges him or her. We often sang and re- or recited in a playground at school, didn't we? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Utterly false. Not true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can break my heart. Is James merely telling us to be nice to one another? Remember Nettie's late husband, Jeff, had a thing about the word nice, and quite rightly so, didn't he? (laughs) Whenever you said, oh, that's nice, or she's nice, he would say, what do you mean by that? It's such a weak, such a, a vapid word, the word nice. Is James now saying we really ought to be nice to one another? Should Jesus have included another beatitude? Blessed are those who are inoffensive. Should there have been an eleventh commandment, do you think? Thou shalt never criticise. Well, if so, why does James go out his way to say some of the things that he says about some of his readers? In this very passage, he refers to them as adulterers, as sinners, and double-minded. If we're always merely supposed to be nice to one another... Why did John the Baptist call certain people a brood or offspring of vipers? Why did Paul call them foolish Galatians? Why did Jesus refer to certain people as whitewashed tombs? What a terrible thing to say. Well, no, it's certainly not simply about being nice to one another. God protect us from mere niceness. There is a place for disagreement, for outrage even. If we are not outraged at some of the things that we ourselves say and do, then we have lost all moral sense, surely. The Bible, you recall, does not forbid anger. It does say that our anger should be sparing, and that we should not let the sun go down on it. So be angry, but do not sin. Sort it out. Resolve it. Remember that the same Jesus who said, judge not that you be not judged, also said, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. John chapter 7 And verse 24. James, back to James, he does not therefore forbid all kinds of judgment, but rather sitting in judgment over one another. That's surely what he means in context. And as for the kinds of 
right judgment that might be appropriate for in Christian circles, well, let me give you a little acronym that I'll refer to as SD3. Three different kinds of right biblical, scriptural, godly judgment. SD3. Firstly, spiritual discipline as exercised by the church. Not often talked about or thought about these days, but certainly there in Scripture. That's the first kind of judgment that should be used. Spiritual discipline as exercised by the church. Secondly, spiritual direction as exercised by godly counsellors. And some of you have or will have had spiritual directors to help you and guide you scripturally and prayerfully. That's good as well. And a third kind of good kind of judgment would be spiritual discernment to be exercised by us all. So there you are, SD3, spiritual discipline, spiritual direction, and spiritual spiritual discernment as ways in which we may and indeed ought to exercise godly and biblical judgment. But the question now is how? How can we develop an attitude which uh, uses discernment appropriately, but which avoids sitting in judgment over one another? Well, our passage gives us a number of strong hints. And let me work back. How then can we exercise godly uh, uh, judgment in this matter? First of all, by being aware of our own failings. In verse 12, James asks very pointedly, Who are you? Who are you to sit in judgment over one another? What makes you so great and so grand that you judge one another? And in this matter of being aware of our own failings, may I remind you of the healing power of a sincere apology if and when we do fail one another. The healing power of a sincere apology. To say, for one person to say to another, I was wrong, I am sorry, please forgive me, is wonderfully healing. Let's be aware of our own failings. Secondly, let's love one another as brothers and sisters. In verse 11, James reminds his readers of their relationship with their fellow Christians. They are not others, they are brothers. And there is a world of difference. I love Psalm 141 and verse 3, which says... Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my mouth. Do you get the picture? That there are a little set of sentries gathered around my mouth. And before I say a word, they are saying, Halt! Who goes there? And three sentries, it would be good to place around our mouths before we speak, will be the first sentry that says, is what, you say, what you're about to say true? 
And the second century asks, is what you're about to say necessary? And the third century would ask, is what you're about to say loving? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Thirdly, let's, in this matter of exercising godly judgment and not sitting in judgment over one another, let's observe James's ten commandments for a humble walk with God. Did you know that there are uh, not one but two sets of ten commandments in Scripture? Uh, one is found in two different versions in the Old Testament, but it is a New Testament set of Ten Commandments. If you, look at, if you were to read through verses 7 to 10, you would find, uh, count up James saying ten different things that uh, would be a recipe, a roadmap, if you like, for a humble walk with God. I don't have time this morning to go through all ten, but I commend them to you. And they include a healthy dose of deep penitence for all the ways in which we fall and fail both God and one another. And that might be summed up right at the beginning uh, uh, in verse 7, where James is really saying to us, instead of sitting in judgment over one another, let's kneel in subjection before God. If our relationship before God is right, then our relationship with one another is likely to fall into place. And this subjection before God is not simply, oh, well, God, you have your own way then, I suppose. It is enlisting in God's team. It is being a team player for God and with God and under his uh, guidance and direction. So let's be aware of our own failings, verse 12. Let's love one another as brothers and sisters, verse 11. Let's observe James's Ten Commandments for a humble walk with God, verses 7 to 10. And fourthly and finally, let's rejoice that God gives us more grace. Do you see that in verse 6? He gives more grace. Isn't that wonderful? He gives more grace than we ever asked for. He gives us more grace than we expect. He certainly gives us more grace than we deserve, because grace that is deserved isn't grace at all. It's just wages. It's just what we, what we earned. He gives more grace. We find it hard, don't we, to admit that we were in the wrong, but he gives more grace. We sometimes go for days, weeks, or even months, living as if we were in, were in love with the world, rather than in love with God. But he gives more grace. We treat our fellow Christians as if they were our enemies sometimes, rather than our brothers and sisters in Christ. But he gives more grace. Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for this more grace that you give. May we open out now empty hands to receive that grace. That grace which brings us more in love with you and more in tune with one another. Give us grace to say that we were wrong. Give us grace to fill us with good things. Give us more grace that we share 
may wish to share your love and truth as a people who adorn the gospel and bring glory to you. Amen.